1: Hey, it's Nick DeGilio here. How are you? Episode 106 of the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And uh, we got a good, uh, we get a good, good episode uh, lined up for you. And welcome to it. We want you to be a part of the podcast. You can do that with your voicemail messages 24 7. It's open, it's ready to go. Anytime you want to say anything to us, 773 417 6948. If you want to drop us an email. 24-7. We read them all. We read many of them on the air. Uh, also, if you want to leave a magic megaphone message, you want me to speak into my magic megaphone to tell a tale or a joke or a code or some sign of message to get it out into the magic ether that is uh, the Nick D Podcast and you want it to? You want a magic megaphone message, just send your email or anything else to nickdpodcast at gmail.com. That's the way you get a hold of us 24-7. We share all of it. 773-417-6948. And NickdPodcast at gmail.com. You want to be a sponsor, you can advertise with us on the Nick D Podcast. We reach a lot of people. So uh, contact us, sales at misfits.com. My thanks to Ed uh, at Radio Misfits. My thanks to Jason Skaggs at Radio Misfits uh, for uh, helping out and uh, doing all the really cool stuff. Here on episode 106 of the Nick D Podcast, uh, coming up, Marnie Schur is going to join me. Marnie's awesome. She is uh, an editor at uh, The Takeout, which is a terrific website slash blog. Um, which is all about food, and uh, we always love to talk about food. There's a lot of incredible, really fun stories to talk about at the takeout, and we're going to do a taste test, um, and we'll talk to to Marnie about that. Speaking of taste tests, my old buddy Esmeralda Leon will join me uh, for our regular visit. We are almost out of the crazy Japanese snacks and Japanese candy that we've been taste testing. We've only got a couple of things left. We're going to do that, but we're moving on to some other crazy stuff. So we've got the Japanese taste test. Uh, we're going to be talking about more celebrity drama and behind-the-scenes uh, stuff happening we got a couple of voicemails and we have a magic megaphone message they keep coming and we'll keep doing them I, I am your magic megaphone monkey whatever you want me to say into that megaphone i will say and there's a story behind it and we always have fun with that so that's coming up with esmeralda uh and uh and uh, and much more also i i want to emphasize to you that uh we are just a few days away Tuesday, January 17th, is our next live show at Zanies. You got to come out when we did it in November. Every single person in Zanies had a great time. It was interactive. It was fun. It was hilarious. We had uh, a great time and great topics, uh, talked with the audience, gave away some really cool stuff, had some great guests. My dad got up and told a joke. It's all going to happen again on January 17th, Tuesday night, at Zanies in Rosemont. Um, and uh, our special guest is Emmy Award-winning legendary stand-up comedian, Uh, Dwayne Kennedy, he's going to join us on stage. Esmeralda and I will be there. We'll be telling great stories and having some laughs and remembering some really cool stuff, doing some trivia, giving some stuff away, interacting with you, the audience. we got some incredible stuff to give away, Nick D podcast swag, T-shirts, coffee mugs. we got some apt electronic gift certificates to give away, all kinds of cool stuff that we'll be doing. My dad's going to come up and tell a joke to close the show. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, You can go to Rosemont.Zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Let's pack the place. We're going to make it a monthly thing, and we want it to be a club. We want you guys to come out. You'll be part of a recording. You will be part of a podcast episode that will last forever. So be a part of that and have a lot of fun. It's going to be great. So it's Tuesday, January 17th, and again, now, just for you guys, there is a special promo code. Like, uh, if you can't afford the price of the tickets, we're, we've got $5 tickets that we are offering if you type in promo code FUNNY, F-U-N-N-Y, all caps, all caps, F-U-N-N-Y. You type in FUNNY in the promo code, and you will get $5 tickets. That's a huge discount, which means if you can't really afford it and you want to come out, or you just want to buy a bunch of tickets and bring a bunch of people You can't do better than that. So com. type in all caps, promo code FUNNY, F-U-N-N-Y, $5 tickets. That is an unbelievable bargain. It's going to be an incredibly fun and hilarious and great night. So Tuesday, January 17th, box office, 847-813-0484, Zanies and Rosemont, Tuesday, January 17th. Get those $5 tickets using promo code FUNNY, F-U-N-N-Y, all caps. It's going to be a great night. Can't wait for it. Hope you all show up. Uh, and this is going to be a great uh, episode of uh, the Nick D podcast, and uh, Marnie Schur is going to join me after I say congratulations. But first, hi,
2: I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
1: I know you do, baby. Uh, Carrie won't be able to make it out to Zany's. she'll be out on the back porch uh, guarding my my uh, my property.
2: <laughs> hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and yeah. I love Nick's all
1: show. Right. Anyway, all right, so uh, Marnie Schur from the Takeout is coming up after I say congratulations.
2: Congratulations, you're about to listen to the Nick D podcast, it's by far the best decision you've made today, it makes the other podcasts
3: seem like crap, oh yeah, don't be a jagger.
2: Marney, 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 Marney! Marney, sure! Marney, 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 sure! Let's talk about food, baby! Marney, Marney, Marney! Out of all the things you stick down your throat! Reasel, tazel, zikazel, zikazel, zikazel! But don't take it from me! That is so
1: simple, baby! Marney, Marney, Marney!
4: Chop, 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 chop! Marney,
1: Marney, Marney, sure! Chachachachap! Chachachachap! Ladies and gentlemen, I know that was kind of weird, but... Something that's awesome, Marnie. Sure, everybody. There it is. <laughs> you know, um, anytime we can get uh, Jason Skaggs to sort of scat Jerry Lewis style, um, I'm all for that. So, well, uh, there's your theme, uh, Marnie.
3: Awesome. Awesome. uh, Very cool. Never had one before.
1: Never had one before. And it seems to go on for a very long time.
3: It certainly does.
1: Yeah. All right. It's going to end at some point.
3: I guess he was inspired, right?
1: Yeah, I guess. My God. (laughs) You know what? I can only assume, Marnie, at this point that AI has taken over. That's the only (laughs) thing I can
3: it's pepping me up
1: there you go go. all right that's marty Scher's theme uh jason skaggs is responsible for that as he is responsible for every theme song opening closing theme also he did the uh the themes for my new podcast the um uh, that show hasn't been funny snl podcast which are wonderful sort of rip-offs of the opening and closing themes of snl (laughs) but anyway that's uh, that's your theme marty welcome how are you
3: Thank you. Thank you to you and Jason. And uh, I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm um, not bad. Uh, Marnie joins us uh, regularly to talk food and to talk about the takeout and whatever else uh, we need to talk about. And uh, I have recently uh, recently discovered I know I mean, I always knew you were a fan, but I recently discovered that you really are a fan of horror movies. Um, I am. And- and I want you to know that that is now going to be a regular part of our conversations. I just thank
3: goodness because you know not enough people watch them, and I don't have enough people to annoy about uh, the analysis of them. So thank you for that.
1: Well, you're never going to annoy me because uh, <laughs> part of part of my personality is that I've pissed people off talking about horror movies now for many, many years. So it'll Perfect. be nice to have a, a compadre to talk about those things with. Yeah. Before we dive into uh, anything, uh, tell us all about The Takeout and how it started and where we're at right now and where people can check out all the stories and the blogs and stuff.
3: Sure. The Takeout, uh, which you can find at thetakeout.com, is a food website dedicated to covering the food that we all actually eat in a day. It's not um, purely aspirational content like you'll find on, say, Bon Appetit or the New York Times cooking section. It is. Maybe what you'd call everyday food, fast food, restaurants, chains, um, recipes that are attainable, uh, able to be made from things in your pantry, things that are just more approachable and celebratory.
1: Yeah, I love the website. You know that, Marnie. Um, Yes, thank you. That's why you're a regular on it. Uh, on my podcast. And uh now the last time we spoke speaking of movies and speaking of the takeout and the and the topics that we get to there was a movie that came out I th- I don't think you had seen it. I, no, I you hadn't you hadn't seen it. You hadn't seen the menu. Um yes and I time. now
3: have I've and, seen it.
1: And there is now not only does it does it touch upon the kind of things that you write about and love to write about uh at uh, at the takeout. And not only does it touch upon the things that you and I share in terms of culinary fun and all that kinds of stuff, um, but it was also, if people don't remember the last time you were on, it was also written by a couple of people that you know, but one in particular. Tell everybody about who one of the co-writers of the menu is.
3: That's right. Well, the the menu was written by um, Will Tracy and Seth Reese, uh, both of whom actually used to work at The Onion as the editor-in-chief and head writer, uh, respectively. And uh, I had the great privilege of working with both of them while they were here. Um, I used to work on The Onion side of uh, our our media site. And um, yeah, so it has been such a joy to see that movie do as well as it has, because not only did I know them when they were here, but uh, it was the script was partially inspired by their time eating in very nice Chicago-area restaurants. Right. Um, so it feels like, in some ways, a Chicago movie, even though it couldn't be farther from that once right. you see the grand restaurant and everything. <laughs> right,
1: right. Well, for people who might not know, and by the way, it is now on HBO. It's on HBO and on HBO Max. Um, it just became available, I think, last week. Uh, so for people who didn't want to go out to the theater, you should go out to a theater, though. I, I don't want to continue harping about people who should... Go to movie theaters and support movies and theaters, even though I know that the studios and the filmmakers have made it really, really easy to just sit on your ass at home and watch it on TV <laughs> or your laptop. I recommend, and I kind of like insist that people get their ass out of the house and go to a movie theater the way you should see a movie. But uh, the menu came out, I believe it was in late October ish? Uh, Mid November. Mid November, okay. Uh, and then, you know, the the window of time now where you can see it streaming or stuff like that, or it's available on VOD, is shorter and shorter and shorter now. Um, So it is now available on HBO Max. And so more people are watching it. I'm seeing in my feed on on social media and I'm hearing from people that didn't go out to the theater to see it in November that they're finally catching up with it. Like my partner, Esmeralda Leon, who is also a foodie, if you want to say that. um, She watched it and loved it. And so many, many people are now getting a chance to watch it. And for people who don't know, it's basically about a bunch of, rich idiots, uh, <laughs> most of them are idiots, uh, who go to this secluded island to have this once-in-a-lifetime culinary experience uh, put together by this amazing, uh, incredible, iconic chef played by Ray Fines. And they find out that they're on this basically secluded island, they're stuck on this island, part of this menu, and they're all going to be basically murdered uh, at some <laughs> point or another that 's kind of the setup, and it does so in a way where it is a fun murder mystery it 's very, very funny, incredibly smart, really, really smart, and also uh, a commentary about food and foodies and the culinary world in a I think magnificently funny and satirical way and um, I had seen it already um, when the last time we spoke, but you hadn 't. And you and I have, have spoken via text and, and social media and stuff, but we actually haven't had a conversation about it. Please let everybody know how you felt about the movie The Menu.
3: Well, I felt very similar to you. I think it's smart. It's funny. It's incredibly stylish. Um, it's just a fun movie to look at, especially if you either appreciate fine dining or um, haven't had the privilege of appreciating it. <laughs> uh, it just shows you some beautiful food. And I thought, what was impressive is the way that they were able to skewer the culture of haute cuisine, but still maintain, you know, something of a reverence for it. Because these two people, um, Will and Seth, the writers of the script, um, they said in an interview to The Takeout, you know, they love these restaurants. They've had some magnificent once-in-a-lifetime experiences at uh, restaurants that are, you know, suspiciously similar to the one in the movie. (laughs) And it's OK to love that. It's just I think the movie is saying, like, what does our love for these sorts of places mean and what should it be contained to? You know, how yeah. far should we take it? Yeah. How how much of ourselves can we pour into this love of food that we think is better than other types of food? It, it was just so fun from start to finish. And the theater experience was uh, part of that, I think, you know, the way that everybody was laughing and gasping at the right moments just yeah. really enhanced it.
1: Well, and, I, and that's another thing that I always emphasize. There's nothing quite like it. It Doesn't matter what movie it is. There's nothing quite like the communal experience of seeing a movie. You know, um, that's right. I, and, and I don't care what it is. There's there's nothing like sitting in a dark theater with a whole bunch of people, most of whom are strangers, or maybe all of them are strangers, and yet you bond over the two hours that you spend in that theater and you laugh together or you, you shriek together. That experience can't be replicated. No matter how convenient it is to sit on your couch, it cannot be replicated in your house. Right. It just can't. Um, and the menu is a great crowd movie. I've seen it twice in the theater, um, and both times were great. The first time was with critics, so it wasn't as much fun because critics, you know, can be jackals. <laughs> um, but I will say this about it: uh, I've seen it twice, and I've watched a little of it because I was flipping around. It was on HBO the other night, so I watched like a like the last third of it again because it was just on. Mm-hmm. Um, And I I, I will say this. I don't know if I've laughed harder at a movie. The first hour of the menu is some of the funniest stuff I've seen in a movie all of last year. (laughs) Like like I was scream laughing at stuff in the first hour. And and then it kind of just becomes like a little bit more, uh, you know, simple. And it's all about the mystery and like how are we going to get off the island and stuff like that. But the setups with the characters being established and the food and the being brought out. Uh, and everything that Paul Edelstein uh, says and all the stuff that they're, you know, like uh, the John Leguizamo table is hilarious. And the frat boys who think they can buy everything oh. and who request for br- they request bread are hilarious. <laughs> uh, and all of the all of the characters are so great. And, and of course, Anya Taylor-Joy, who is just magnificent in everything she does. And Nicholas Holt is <laughs> hilarious as the most annoying, quote unquote, foodie. Pompous jagoff. Yeah,
3: he Um, understood the assignment. (laughs) He
1: certainly did, and but but I will say this: it's flat out. I mean, just on the simplest of levels, I laughed my ass off during the first hour of the movie, and then I was completely uh, on board through the entire run. And I know everybody is um, talking about how much they love Glass Onion. Have you seen Glass Onion yet? I have. Yes, seen. Everybody has been talking about how much they love Glass Onion and how you know that was. But I. I don't know what it is about my sensibility or my personality, but I much preferred the menu to the rich Jagoffs on an Island murder mystery. You know what (laughs) I mean? I, the menu spoke to me more than the glass onion did. And I don't know what that says about me, but in comparison, because they're kind of similar, it's rich people on an Island murder, that kind of thing happens Mm -hmm. hosted by a weirdo. Um, (laughs) So what, what, if you had to compare the two or talk about those two, which one did you like better?
3: You know, I liked them both. Um, I think that, The menu has teeth. The menu has claws. And it's ready to skewer this group of people uh, first and foremost where I think in Glass Onion it was almost like a fun side project the movie had was to satirize the rich and the famous and the powerful. Yeah. but when it's your your primary assignment in a movie, I think that you can get a lot nastier with it. And that's what the menu is like. But mm-hmm. I had fun with both. I think Knives Out, obviously, aiming for that pocket of, like, family movie that you all watch over the holidays. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I liked the first Knives Out a little better um, yeah. because I thought that that movie also pretty capably skewered uh, wealthy, it naive did. people. Um, yeah. And And I recommend both only because... It is so nice to have just a crop of purely fun movies at the box office right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Glass Onion. I like mm-hmm. the, fir- the first Knives Out. I thought it was fun. I, I'm yeah. not a fan of Glass Onion, um, mm-hmm. but I did love the menu. But let me say this. When you, just in terms of watching the menu, um, was there stuff in it that you recognized from knowing those guys when you were watching <laughs> the menu? Were you like, oh, man, that was written by Will? or that was, the, You know what I mean? Like, did, that's pop, did that pop out at you while you were watching it?
3: It's so funny you ask, because absolutely, um, <laughs> you know, Will uh, Tracy is a, um, I believe, uh, executive producer, or he he certainly writes for the show Succession, and I believe produces it as well. Yeah, and um, the director,
1: by the way, the director of the movie directed several episodes of Succession. And and, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's got the the reason why it has that bite is because the people behind it are behind Succession, which is a show that has a massive bite. (laughs) Exactly.
3: And so, yeah, I mean, anybody who's a fan of Succession, I think, would really enjoy the menu. Um, But yeah, so in both of those projects, I think I see a lot of Will's, um, (laughs) you know, voice And, and it's. It shares a lot of DNA with the onion because the onion is that authoritative satirical voice that doesn't wink at you. It, it plays it totally straight, but it trusts that you will know what's being accomplished. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then as far as Seth, I, I feel like Seth is um, has uh, this great, uh, I would say, goofier sensibility, but just as sharp. And so those two play off each other in such an exciting way.
1: Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you got to see it. I'm glad you liked it. Um, I think it's, I, I thought it was one of the most entertaining movies of last year and I had a great time watching it and, uh, and being the, you know, food addicted food network, you know, addicted, uh, you know, I watch every episode of top chef twice guy, <laughs> um, that kind of thing. And you know how much I love to talk about food with you. Um, it worked on that level as well. I think it's a terrific movie and it is available now on HBO, uh, and HBO max now. The horror movie thing that we need to talk about uh, before we jump into food, which we will. Um, Have you always been a horror movie fan? And uh, why didn't I know about your deep appreciation for horror until now? I've known you for a few years now, Marnie. How did this not happen?
3: Well, okay. You're a good example of someone who is probably more of a horror completionist. I haven't really done my homework, as it were, with a lot of, like, you know, um, Italian horror or, you know, certain. Areas of the canon. I kind of just stumble upon horror movies incidentally, and then just so watch them and person. love them. That means
0: yeah. you're a yes. normal person. Yeah.
3: I would hope that's the descriptor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, name a genre that is as reliably fun and comforting in its setups than horror. I mean, it is. It's it's weirdly comfort food because even the ones where you can see a shot being set up a mile away, or like you know, someone closing a bathroom mirror cabinet mirror you know oh something's going to be behind them but that reliability is is a lot like a rom-com it has the beats (laughs) you expect and it delivers and you know shakes up the formula once in a while but even when it doesn't. It's great. I just love horror.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that because uh, you and I can have long conversations about that. And we're, you know, we've always gotten along, but now we're going to get along even better, Marnie. I know That's that right. For sure. um, so do you have a favorite before we jump into this movie particularly that I want to talk about? Do you have a favorite of all time? Is there one horror movie that sticks out or a few that you really love?
3: I did spend most days of my high school experience watching the original Evil Dead oh,
0: man. <laughs> uh, nah, and, you're, and you're Evil talking. Dead 2, Dead by nah, Dawn. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah, it was sort of like it's 70 minutes or whatever. You throw it on after school. It's over by the time dinner's ready. And I, I just I loved it. It was funny. It, it's kind of an amazing project um, done on such a tight like college kid budget. It, yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's great. Everybody should watch it.
1: Yeah, we've talked a lot about Evil Dead on this uh podcast and on my old radio show. Um it's the those series of movies. Sam Raimi, I think is one of the greatest directors alive and I know Bruce Campbell, um and uh and actually have you ever watched uh Ash versus Evil Dead, the TV series that was on stars?
3: I have not, but the trailer delights me. Well, so I really should.
1: <laughs> you should watch it. My my future ex wife, Dana DiLorenzo, Lorenzo, is the lead actress in it and um and I love her and she's a good friend and uh it's great, and it and it takes the mythology of Evil Dead, sticks to it, and takes it to another level. So that's that's cool. But uh, I, I did see that you posted um, on um, uh, on, on, uh, on Twitter about uh, the Babadook. Um, yes. Explain explain to me your thoughts because the Babadook to me is one of the best horror films. I think we're I, I Marnie, I think we're in kind of a, we have been for a long time now, for maybe ten years or so now. We've been in a really strong renaissance period for horror. Um, right. I think there have been a lot of really smart, really artful and brilliant and creative horror films that have come out. Many of them come from the Studio A24, uh, which has specialized mm-hmm. in weird genre movies and horror films. And um, the work of guys like Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and *Midsummer*, and Robert Eggers, who did The Witch you know, uh, and The Lighthouse and The Northman and stuff like that. They've been doing some really interesting stuff, and the Babadook to me, directed by Jennifer Kent, um, is one of the top-notch horror films of the past maybe fifteen, twenty years. Um, so, but your thoughts on it are kind of interesting. I saw what you were posting. What what, what are your thoughts on the Babadook?
3: Well, I really enjoyed it, um, and it is definitely, you know, having been made in I believe twenty fourteen, it really yeah. like signaled that shift toward. Artful, what some people call elevated horror. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I would have uh, t- picked up on the fact prior to watching, had I not already read about it, that it's a complete and neat and almost tidy allegory for grief. Um, that it's a movie about losing people more than it's a movie about a monster haunting your house (laughs) and yeah i mean i think to some people that might be a little bit like eat your vegetables horror but it (laughs) does it 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 does it with um with such a flair and like with such compelling performances that even people who aren't willing or able to see the metaphor in it will just enjoy it for the scares
1: yeah That's a great way of putting it. I think that, uh, you know, the whole um, eating your vegetables horror, uh, I think that's some of the complaints that, uh, you know, a lot of my horror brethren sometimes are like, I'm sick of A24 and and (laughs) elevated horror and elevated horror and all this stuff. And and I'm thinking to myself, why would you be mad if they're trying to make a horror movie smarter? I don't understand why (laughs) you would be pissed off about that. Look, I love, you know, mindless beheadings and, you know, zombies eating people, and I like, you know, massive murders and, you know, big monsters ripping people to shreds. I love all that big, loud, dumb, bloody stuff and gore and gore effects. But, you know, like, if I can have something smart to think about, why complain about that? I don't know. Right, right. And to me, even if Babadook... I... Yeah, go ahead.
3: Oh, well, sometimes those movies are too smart for me, and I can just sit with them. Like, I did not understand Hereditary when I watched it. I don't <laughs> even understand it after reading the Wikipedia page, but I'm like, well, you know what? I'll just sit with it and mull over it for a few decades and see how I land on it. (laughs)
1: Well, I don't know if it's necessary to completely understand hereditary. I think one of the the great things about that movie, and I've seen it dozens and dozens of times, is one of my favorite. And I think Tony Collette's performance in that, I think, is the best female performance in horror movie history. I really do. It's it's immaculate, yeah. And so and so is um, Essie Davis from uh, Babadook. She's Mm -hmm. and the kid is incredible too. You want to kill the kid so (laughs) at one point. Um, but yeah, no, the movie is about and a lot of those movies are about grief, uh, you know, and 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 and, and about mourning. Uh, I mean, Hereditary certainly has a huge element, a huge chunk of that. Something happens about halfway through the movie or I'd, I'd say about a half an hour into the movie that <laughs> completely yeah. changes it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's cool to have those kind of themes. And, and I, you know, I, I like the elevated horror and I don't care if it sounds pretentious. And, and yeah, I love that. I love that whole allegory about like vegetables forced to eat your vegetables horror. I like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, vegetables taste great sometimes, you know? They do.
1: They do. <laughs> now, now before we uh, get to the, to the other food stuff that we're going to jump into, and I swear to God, we're going to talk about stuff that's of the take, <laughs> Um, I have a little, uh, a little audio uh, uh, bit here that I want to play, Marnie, before we jump into the next okay. conversation, okay?
3: Mm-hmm. Ow! Let go! You need to learn some manners, Brandon.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what happens to bad boys that don't mind their manners? They grow up be bad meg are you listening to me brandon (laughs) megan
1: yeah (laughs) you were very very excited about (laughs) megan um and uh (laughs) you were just talking about how you were so excited about it and i was thrilled uh you know that you were very excited and i was also excited about it i was lucky enough to see it uh I guess a week before it opened at a press screening, and I texted you right after I got out of the theater <laughs> um with my thoughts on it and uh, I know you were excited about it. Explain why you were excited about it and the whole adventure of getting the tickets to the specific theater. I want to hear the whole story and then what you thought of <laughs> Megan
3: okay, it's a dream to be asked about this, so thank you. um <laughs> so I saw the trailer in when it when it dropped on like. I think it was like October, -October. Mm mid-October. And um, I was like, well, this is going to be a delight, especially when you see the name James Wan in anything. I think that you are guaranteed a good time. Um, And I immediately showed the trailer to everyone. The the week after it dropped, I had a a vacation with my friends from high school and I played it for them maybe five times. um, (laughs) And we were all very excited. But January seemed so far away. Uh, (laughs) And now it's here. And um, Megan is just, it's pre-packaged for memification and virality uh, in a way that is just so smart. And knowing that they can generate that kind of interest based on one trailer and like TikTok dances embedded in the trailer, um, you just knew that there was no way they were going to flop on the movie itself, right? Like, it's just, it was so promising. and you know we've been seeing some really good work at the intersection of horror and comedy and when you factor in the the fact that Megan is written and produced by the team that made malignant uh which was another movie that caught the internet by storm uh when that came out i believe early last year maybe or was it 2021 it was
1: 2021 cuz we were we were we were still pandemicy right uh, yeah yeah
3: Right, and if that movie had come to the theater, I think it would have generated similar buzz to Megan mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, so I wanted to get tickets for all my friends, so we went in like a group of six, I think, and uh <laughs> but the only the only theater that was listing its show times early enough to buy the group tickets with assigned seats was a theater that i don't I don't want to talk you know uh down on it, but if I said... <laughs> I bought tickets to the worst theater in Chicago. Do you know what movie theater I'm talking about?
1: I, you know, I, when you posted that when you posted that, I was thinking to myself because to me, I think my choice would be different than yours. Mm-hmm. But I, my guess is it's the it's the the Regal Cinema on Western.
3: <laughs> it absolutely is. Okay, yeah,
1: that would have been yeah that would have been my would have been my guess. Although I would choose the new city one. Uh, oh, the the, the new-
3: rather new one.
1: No, no, no. No, it's been around for a while, but it just reopened again. Right. It's, at, it's right off the red line at North and Clybourne. It's right, it's, it shares the same space with the most disgusting uh, Marianos I've ever been to in my life.
3: <laughs> yes. That Marianos <laughs> is a
1: curse upon no, it's us disgusting. all. It's the most disgusting. I mean.
3: I yeah. get lost every time. Uh,
1: but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I used that, to theater, go... that theater, which is in the same plexus. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I used to go to that theater all the time when it was Arclight, though, and I loved it.
1: Yeah, it's fallen on hard times. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, but yes, I understand. I've been go- I go to the I go to the City North, uh, you know, it's an easy theater to get to and and when I don't go to screenings, I usually go to the City North, but I know exactly what you're talking
3: about. <laughs> it's just it's it's <laughs> of a different era, I would it is. say.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. They don't have the recliners yet. They don't have the it's still like <laughs> It was I remember when it opened in 1999 everybody was like ooh it's the big crazy scary theater on western by the kennedy and <laughs> and now it's just like the dumpy theater with everybody seems grumpy and mm-hmm. oh, i it's don't know why the... we made it it's, and it's owned by regal which might close down you know they filed right. for bankruptcy it's, yeah i understand it's got that it's got that mood to it
3: that theater of last resort <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: yeah exactly
3: but yeah i mean went and saw megan on friday night have no complaints about that experience the audience was there for it you okay. know they were they were laughing and clapping and singing and i mean i mean a, a similar movie going experience was when i first saw super bad in the in the theater in 2007. Yeah. it's it was comparable to that because of the the sheer joy at having yeah. discovered something
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well I, it's funny because i saw it with a, a like a press it was a press screening but it was also a public screening so it, you know it wasn't just uh, jag off pretentious critics like us. <laughs> there were actually real people in there. And and like you said, everybody was there to see it, to see it. Um, and you know how, if you go to like movie screenings now, they, uh, the screen, when you walk in, has a giant picture of what you're about to see, you know, like the poster. Right. It fills up the whole screen. It's like, hey, here it is. And you know, like I, like I went to go see Plane the other night with uh, <laughs> Gerard Butler, which Yep, Ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, and, And up there, when you walk in, there's Gerard Butler and there's uh, Mike Coulter from Evil and they're there and it's like all plain. And it's got the, you know, it's got the the, the Twitter handle and, you know, and, uh, you know, the the image that you can scan and all that stuff. You know, it's up there. Well, yeah, when I walked in for the screening for Megan, there was the big thing. But then suddenly Megan moved her eyes (gasps) on the (laughs) screen.
3: That's oh, she's the
1: best. And I'm and I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm like, did that goddamn thing just move? And all of a sudden, like at the, as the theater is getting full, and we're about maybe five minutes to showtime. Suddenly, she goes, "Hi, everyone. I'm Megan. Welcome to the theater." And we're all like, oh, ah! People like. <laughs> so it she... even started. It started before the movie. They were smart <laughs> enough. The studio was smart enough to have like an interactive, talking Megan on the screen. It was. She crazy. is.
3: The moment Jeez. everybody loves Megan, and you know what? Yeah. It's not the best horror movie I've ever no, seen, no. but it was just—it's perfectly exactly yes. what it is.
1: What I said was, if you know, I don't drink anymore, but I used to, and had I had a few pops, it would have been the greatest movie I've ever seen. And <laughs> and I, you remember Bruinview View, Megan? I don't think they do it anymore at the Vic. Um, do you remember Bruin View? Uh, I called uh, you Megan. Did I just call you <laughs> Megan? I just called you Megan, didn't I?
3: I believe you called oh, me Megan. Oh my God,
1: Marnie, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> But do you remember yeah. Bruin View? Yeah. Okay. Well, Bruin View was the, would be this movie is perfectly. Megan is the perfect Bruin View movie. It's like room full of people having a great time drinking pitchers of beer. That is the movie.
3: Yeah, so, she'll become like a Halloween staple.
1: I think so. Well, I'm glad you saw it and I'm glad you liked it and we'll we'll discuss uh, horror movies uh, uh, anytime soon. Now, but because and I'm trying to do a segue here, uh, Marnie, I don't know if you know this, but I've won <laughs> awards for broadcasting in the past and I'm just about to prove why. <laughs>
3: Go for we were it. Talking
1: about, are we ready? We were talking about Megan, which concerns AI. You see where I'm going with this <laughs> I do. Okay. Well, you have an article <laughs> at the Takeout, thetakeout.com, which says, no, we don't trust and we don't, we don't need AI ovens. You see how I segued from Megan smoothly? That was flawless. <laughs> okay. Tell me about this, uh, about this piece that you guys talked about on, uh, on the takeout about AI ovens. And for people who might not know what the hell is an AI oven.
3: Yeah. um, If you don't know about AI ovens, you are not behind the curve. Uh, They're pretty new. Um, At least their current iteration is pretty new. Uh, Right now, in January is when the Consumer Electronics uh, Showcase happens. And so Samsung is... Samsung's got uh, a new line of kitchen appliances of all sorts, but they have AI Pro Cooking. It's an oven. And I don't know the price of it yet because that was my first question. Uh, But it's equipped with artificial intelligence as well as several internal cameras uh, to monitor your food to make sure it's not burning, which was previously accomplished by, you know, looking into the oven or smelling (laughs) the oven or setting an egg timer, uh, you know, things that we wouldn't possibly do in 2023. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it, the things that the oven uh, is, you know, brags about doing are just things that I can't imagine needing. Like it can live stream the cooking process to social media. Um, so you can just cast your food cooking in an oven, which actually, you know, that's going to open up a lot of doors for, I don't know, recipe bloggers and food influencers. But the average person doesn't need to worry about exchanging their current oven for something like this it's just the utility is so in my view limited and not worth the expense
1: it, it sounds so, am i the only one who's kind of cre- i do not have any ai in my apartment i don't i, I don't have I, don't, I mean i you know i do have a phone where i can do the i'm not going to say it because my phone is on right now and i'm not going <laughs> to say it but i do have that thing where you can say hey something and it, it can search for something but i do not have an alexa i don't have a Siri, I don't have any of that stuff because it freaks me out. And by the way, not to ruin uh, Megan or anything, but the last scene in the movie uh, of Megan, the final moment in that movie, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't have this shit in my house. I don't want an oven that is going to record. I don't. I don't want that—an oven equipped with a bunch of cameras. No, uh, it just seems weird. Am I, am I the only? Am I being out of line by freaking out about that?
3: Well, uh, given the amount of uptake on appliances like alexas and things like that i mean i do feel increasingly uh in the minority you know i think that people get excited by what's new and they get excited by uh i don't know additional features but you know an oven is something that kind of works as well as i'll ever need it to i don't think that i'm ever going to need something like this
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and also isn't it kind of weird i mean i just don't want i mean it's difficult enough like if your oven malfunctions as a regular, like, normal human oven. Right. Um, it's like, oh, that sucks. i got to get it fixed or something or replace it or whatever. But it adds on a whole new complication if you've got an AI oven. It's like, you know, remember when people used to actually work on their own cars? Remember when they yeah. would do that? Like, if there was something wrong with the car, that's ah, all right. I can get under there and fix it myself. You can't do that now. No. Be- you can't. And, and, and if, yes, technology is fantastic, and I know I sound like an old man right now, <laughs> but why complicate an oven? It's, you know, I don't, I don't understand
3: yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't complicate it. Uh, I wouldn't pay for the privilege of complicating it, I would say.
1: Okay. okay. Has anybody tried, anybody on the staff at the takeout ever tried out an AI uh, oven?
3: Not yet, but okay. I can imagine that day is coming.
1: Okay. Uh, well, uh, you also talk a little bit about sugar-free wine. Now, here's something that I uh, I don't drink anymore. I used to drink. Uh, I used to drink a lot, and I drank a lot of wine. Um I would never, ever, if I were still a drinking man. There's no way that I would opt for sugar-free wine. Um, I right. just that just got that has nightmare written all over it. Tell me a little <laughs> bit about why we shouldn't trust uh, sugar-free wine.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I think that wine, especially because it's not subject to the labeling laws that consumer packaged snacks are, you know, it can get away with a lot of vague marketing terms that might be misleading. And so when you see sugar-free or low-sugar wine, it might sound great, but wine really can't exist without sugar. Like, if it doesn't have sugar, it's probably not wine. Um, You know, not least of all because grapes themselves have a lot of natural sugar. So from the moment you decide to make wine, sugar is part of the equation. And basic fermentation requires that sugar uh, and, you know, turns it into alcohol. So... You you can't just process your way out of these things. Sometimes it, it fundamentally alters the essence of what you're drinking.
1: Yeah. So, have you tasted some of these? Uh, and, wh- and what what did you focus? What did you guys focus on in the article?
3: So, I haven't tasted any of these wines, but I spend a lot of time sampling hard seltzer uh, for the takeout, and okay. since that's such a growing category. And seltzers definitely seem to uh, live or die on their sugar content. And there's a big race to get less sugar and fewer calories into each can because it is kind of the health conscious person's hard beverage. Um, But it just – I don't know if it's a certain subset of the population that can taste it, but I am very sensitive to like artificial sweeteners or stevia or Splenda or anything that is yeah. trying to, like, replicate sugar yep. without being sugar. Yep. It just – it has that – it's made from, like, the same plant as licorice, I think. Um, and so it, it's got kind of that licorice aftertaste to it that's just so distracting. So, you know, winemakers, they try to get around these things um, – you know, mega purple is like an additive that they add to inject some sweetness and artificial coloring into the wine. You know, they're always trying to like build a better mousetrap. Yeah. But the fact is, if you are a health conscious person, you're probably better off drinking the wine you like and then making your health conscious decisions elsewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's I don't know. It just sounds it sounds like bad news to me completely. And I and I like you. I have that 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 sense of like, no, this is just not. You know the same. It tastes mm-hmm. weird. I don't like it. And and I'm and I'm always like that because I gave up uh, caffeine. It'll be man. It'll be twenty years in February. Wow. I haven't had caffeine. I gave up caffeine and nicotine on the same day, Marnie. So I was a real treat <laughs> to be around.
3: Uh, <laughs> You're a glutton for punishment.
1: Oh yeah. No, I was a real. I was going through a really horrible breakup, and I thought I'd torture myself some more by giving up cigarettes and caffeine on the same day. Wow. Um, and it, I haven't had a cigarette or or you know or or caffeine since in February, of two thousand. Three, so it's wow. been that long. Um, but, but uh, you know, people are like, well, just, you know, because I really miss Dr. Pepper. Mm. I really mm-hmm. miss Dr. Pepper. It was my favorite pop. And and people are like, well, just get the caffeine free. And I'm like, it doesn't taste the same. It's yeah. just, you know what I mean? And, and you know what I'm talking about, Marnie. Like, you, you sugar free this, sugar free that, caffeine free this, caffeine free that. You can tell the difference, right? And doesn't, doesn't that uh, tell me a little bit about how you can taste the difference in those things?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a, muted taste, um, you know, the once you take everything out of a soda that makes it a soda, the sugar and the caffeine, it's like, what are you left with? And the answer is a lot of CO2 and caramel coloring. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, some the, the, the wildest thing is that Diet Coke devotees, they know that the Diet Coke has a bit of that metallic flavor and they yeah. prefer it. They yeah. they actively say, yes, I know it tastes different and this is what I want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, listen, the Diet Coke people are very hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> they,
3: that they are. They
1: are. They are you know. uh, all right. So you have a, another article here about how TikTok hacks are ruining fast food. Now, let me just say this. And again, going to sound like an old man. I do not understand TikTok. I don't <laughs> get it. I Every once in a while, I have it on my phone, and I'll look at it every once in a while. And by the time I get to the fourth person lip syncing to something or, <laughs> you know, dancing or a woman pulling on her top and then... It disappears and her boobs pop out. I go. I go. All right. I, I can't do this anymore. And I guess it's maybe maybe it says something about my algorithm. I don't. Yeah. Know. I don't know that those things are the things that pop up on my screen. I just immediately. I don't understand TikTok. I don't get it. I understand how huge it is, and I know the youngsters like it. Um, but and I and I understand what TikTok hacks. But for people who might not know what a TikTok hack is in general and how they're ruining fast food, please tell me again how uh, uh, to add to the list of reasons I hate TikTok.
3: Right. Well, I'm no fan of TikTok myself. I think I get why it's so popular. But I just know that it'll never be popular with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, TikTok, it can show you short form videos about anything. But something that people are really transfixed by are is the idea of menu hacks, which is like, you know, we all go to McDonald's, but Maybe you've never tried placing an order for these two items and then smashing them together to create the world's best sandwich. You know, these little things that it's an economy of insider tips that people are really drawn to. But in a lot of cases, they they can really mess with the operation of a fast food restaurant. So the most recent example of this was last week. Uh, Chipotle had to send an internal memo about this TikTok hack that was happening at their restaurants. Um, because uh, a lot of things happen, um, you know, TikTok is distributed so widely, these hacks, they take over before people can figure out that that's where they came from. So at Chipotle, people kept coming into the restaurant and ordering quesadillas modified with fajita veggies and extra cheese um, and steak. And that's because someone on TikTok said that it tastes just like a Philly cheesesteak when you when you put those things together. God. Problem is, you are not supposed to be able to customize a quesadilla that way. And you're not supposed to be able to order it in person. It's supposed to be an online exclusive. And that's because it's it's made on a separate assembly line uh, to save time. Yeah. So when a bunch of people come in and order it and do special modifications – that disrupts both assembly lines at once because they're trying to borrow each other's ingredients Ugh. and it, it slows things down for the people who are dining in or picking up to go and so it's really kind of burdening employees even though you think it's just a fun way to order something new it can really have uh compounding effects wow
1: just people uh, uh, okay so this is just people just just decide that they're like let's smash this together and see what, what do we have another example of that besides Chipotle?
3: Well, yeah. um, Well, a lot of them actually have to do with Chipotle specifically because because there's so many – I think because it's an assembly line ordering operation. So there's all sorts of um, permutations of it. But a lot of it have to do with gaming things to get a better price. So one that happened last year was, oh, here's how to get a TikTok – or TikTok said, here's how to get a Chipotle burrito for – $2 $2 as opposed to its usual cost of about $8. And it's like, well, you order uh, you know, a tortilla on the side and you order a side of beans and a side of cheese and a side of rice and and then you put it all together and you ask them to assemble it. And then it's a burrito for $2. Well, even if that works, it's not going to work very long because they figure it out and they remove things from the menu to stop you from doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but in yeah. in our case we did test that hack and it didn't even work. And so then we were paying $9 for like the world's plainest burrito.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god. All right, so don't uh, the TikTok hacks are ruining uh Chipotle in in, in general. Um yeah. we don't want to, we don't want to ruin Chipotle. Nobody wants to ruin Chipotle. We love Chipotle. Yeah. Uh, They're a great restaurant chain, and and you uh, talk about at uh, at the takeout restaurant chains that you should watch in 2023. Which one should we keep an eye out for?
3: There are a lot of chains that are doing some interesting stuff. Um, A lot of it has to do with technology, uh, which even if it doesn't change the food, it's going to change the experience of ordering from there and eating there. Um, A good example of this is – do you know Jet's Pizza?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet's, Jet's Pizza, P- by the way, Jet's Pizza, by the way, is a uh, – um, you can see uh, Jet's Pizza sponsored uh, on uh, radiomisfits.com. Jet's Pizza. Oh,
3: well, there you go. I yes. love Jet's Pizza. So do I. So do I. <laughs> um, they are kind of experimenting with a new ordering system, and it's really helping to increase revenue. It's a It sounds simple. It's text messaging. So instead of having to go to an online ordering portal, you can just text – this number and say, you know, I want pizza for four people and drinks. And it, it has the AI to sort of say, like, okay, here's how much pizza you need for four people and here are, you know, if you ordered a Pepsi but they only have Coke, they know that they'll just like give you Coke. Right. Uh, so it's kind of like a smart phone-based system that removes a lot of the roadblocks from ordering pizza. And um and it's 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 actually led to like really positive results so very we cool. might see more things like that
1: and i lo- and, and on top of that jet's pizza is really good detroit style pizza uh jets yes the best very good. Yeah, yeah. good good stuff yeah um so 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 technology beside you know uh, it, it is actually used for good not just the stupid ai ovens but it's actually being <laughs> it's actually helping out in the world of fast food and and chains
3: yeah it can
1: yeah when it's done right ch- do you have another chain restaurant that you want to mention real quick
3: yeah, McDonald's. Uh, they are testing some really interesting restaurants, smaller footprint restaurants with no dining room at all. Uh, they're they're kind of targeting locations where people don't really sit in the restaurant that much anyway. And they're saying, how can we streamline this for people the way that they actually consume our food, whether it's takeout, drive-through, delivery, you know, third party, all that stuff. Um, so, You might soon be able to drive up to the drive-thru and get your food on a little conveyor belt, which is very cute looking.
1: (laughs) That's pretty cool. I always like conveyor belts. They always make things. They make sushi fun. I know that much. They do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm still, uh, 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 you know, every time I go into McDonald's and uh, um, I go in there, you know, kind of regularly because there's a McDonald's right at Clark and Lake by the blue line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go into that one, you know, if I'm going down to the WLS, I'll stop in and grab. It's usually I'll grab some breakfast. And I still am like some people are completely confused by the kiosk still. Yes. And that's still going to be like a confusing thing. And also, uh, I don't know about you, but when I order at the kiosk, and I do probably every time I go there now, I'll just go right to the kiosk and order. Uh, they ask you they, they, to put in the number of the table tent. And, oh. You know, like the, the, the thing that you're supposed to put on your table, mm-hmm. if they deliver the food to you but sometimes they're not even out there they don't have them so i just make up a number i just put 1
3: and it doesn't matter
1: it doesn't matter because they're going to go by the order <laughs> number but but, right. but you can't you can't you have to go through that step in order to finish the order so i just like you know the 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 table thing that you're supposed to put on the plastic table thing uh they don't have them at certain locations so i just make up a number and put in 1
3: that's a user experience thing that i that would annoy me so much just cuz like Someone should have told them by now.
1: Exactly, <laughs> or know? they should have had the table tents next to the kiosks. You know, yeah. the little—they're little, uh, what, 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 not table tents; they're little triangle things that you, plastic things with a number on them. Yeah, that you put on the table. So, but yeah, so that's there's a little, uh, a little, a little tip for people using the kiosk: make up a number. <laughs> I can do that. That's all. Anybody can do that. So, uh, I do want to mention before we jump into our taste test here, other things uh, uh, that we didn't get to. There are more restaurant chains that you can watch for uh, in 2023, and that article is there at the takeout. And you wrote a piece personally about Starbucks and the rewards that are, uh, that, that are getting worse, and I want people to read that as well.
3: Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just, just watch out, people. If you use Starbucks rewards, they're about to get worse, and right. you should read about it.
1: Read about it at thetakeout.com. <laughs> now, we always do a little taste test. And I do want you to know that res- as a result of one of the very first taste tests we did, not on this podcast, not on my show years ago, but on this podcast, I have in front of me right now, which I, are, is a regular uh, staple in my apartment right now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I am holding a bag of Albanese World's Best <laughs> uh, uh, Gummy Bears right now.
3: Wow, so you're a convert now.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, and I buy them all the time. And I snack on them while I watch stuff like Megan. So uh, awesome. it's, it's great. So I want you to know that one of the taste tests completely made me a fan of, uh, of Albanese uh, gummy bears.
3: That's what this is all about, you know? Yes.
1: <laughs> so what are we taste testing right now? You and I have a bag in front of us. Tell us a little bit about it and why you wanted to taste test it and, and all that cool stuff.
3: Sure. So as most people probably know, M&M's has been going wild the last few years with new flavors. And um, this is a fairly new flavor. It's been around for a few months, crunchy cookie Mm. M&M's. I have not tried them. I keep seeing them. And like, even in the picture, they just, I can't tell what they would taste like. So it's, it's features like a a cookie with M&M's instead of chocolate chips in it. So we'll yeah. see if they're any good.
1: Okay. And the green M&M, by the way, is seems to be having a good time uh, with with both a cookie and an M&M crunchy cookie in her hand.
3: Yes, her eyebrows are raised lasciviously. <laughs> Off of
1: her head. They're <laughs> yeah. above her head. So, all right, well, let's try it. Okay. And, uh, I mean, you open it up and they look like M&M's, although they have kind of a, the texture is a little Oh, wow. Rougher. It smells
3: so much like a cookie.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God, yes, it does.
3: Like a fresh-baked cookie. That's kind of amazing.
1: Okay. Are we going to try Let's try a yep. few of these and see what happens. All right. Mm. Hmm. 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 Well, you know, the cookie part doesn't hit you right away. No. Um.
3: I guess what I'm learning is that these are crunchy cookie MMs. I think I'd love to see what they do with a soft-baked cookie M&M, you know? Yeah. Because these are mostly – these are kind of just like those crispy M&Ms. They, I don't yeah. really taste a lot of cookie.
1: Right. Me neither.
3: They're not bad. No.
1: I mean, but they're not – I mean, when, if I were to eat – somebody said, here, eat this, I wouldn't say, oh, my God, this tastes so much like a crunchy cookie. <laughs> no. It doesn't. It tastes like a crunchy M&M.
3: Yeah. and. Okay. I wonder why they made them miniature instead of just making them
1: full size. They are. They're very small. Yeah, they are teeny. I mean, they're not bad. I'm eating a bunch of them. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's hard so to stop. I'm eating stop. a bunch of them because I like M&M's. So, <laughs> but I don't think there's anything remarkable about the crunchy cookie m and except that they're tasty M&M's.
3: Yeah. It's just if you like crunch, there is a lot to love here.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, there well, we go.
3: I don't think I'll add them to my regular rotation, but... Someone out there probably loves someone, these, and yep, I'm happy so, for them.
1: Right. Someone will. I will say this. My eyebrows are still attached to my head. They have not. Yes. They, they, I, they,
3: I'm not this intrigued by crunchy cookie <laughs> MMs. No. ms
1: What are you working on next uh, that we can see at, uh, at the takeout?
3: Well, um, lots of fun stories about Midwestern fast food expansions. Um cool. If you love things like portillo's and... Bona beef. Uh, a lot of that stuff is expanding nationwide. And so I think that in the coming year, more Americans will learn about Chicago foods, which is kind of fun.
1: Awesome. It's really dangerous to live a, like one L stop away from a Portillo's. <laughs> I bet. I live one L stop away from Portillo's. I live around the corner from smoke and right down the street from a Potbelly's and a Lumalnati's. It's not, it's dangerous.
3: That's, that's, that's good uh, resale value right there, just <laughs> that you're sitting on.
1: <laughs> yeah, too bad I don't own the place. Uh, all right, well, listen, Barney, always a pleasure, and uh, let me just uh, play this real quick.
0: Ow! Let go! You need to learn some manners, Brandon. <laughs> you know what happens to bad boys that don't mind their manners?
3: They grow up to be bad men.
1: <laughs> that's right, they grow up to be bad men, Barney.
3: Okay. God bless Megan.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Megan rules. We'll have a lot more to talk about next time. Always a pleasure. And, uh, and Barney have a, great, uh, have a great month, and we'll talk to you probably in February sometime, okay?
3: All right. Thank you so much, Nick.
1: All right. Take care. You too. All right. That's, that's uh, Marnie Sure, everybody. She's the best. And you can check out thetakeout.com for all your needs, food stories, and all kinds of stuff. And the crunchy cookie M&Ms, they're tasty. They're just not spectacular. All right. Uh, speaking of spectacular, it's time for Esmeralda Leon.
0: Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon Yeah Esmeralda I'm talking about that Esmeralda Esmeralda Leon Yeah Esmeralda Yeah, yeah Esmeralda
2: Leon Yeah, yeah Get yourself some Esmeralda Love me some Esmeralda Esmeralda Leon yeah. Esmeralda
1: that's Esmeralda. right. Esmeralda, Esmeralda Leon is here. Let's say hello to Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda.
4: Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are oh,
1: you? I'm okay. I'm all right. Hey, um, uh, plans for the? You have any insane, crazy? I'm gonna go nuts in the world. Plans for New for New Year's? What the fuck is wrong with me? For, what for, <laughs> the, for the for the for the weekend? For the weekend. <laughs>
4: It's like you are twelve days I, I late, I sir. On, <laughs> I don't know what's going on,
1: man. I don't know what's going on. We were just talking uh, off the air. There was a little drama in my life uh, that built up to nothing, but for about a half an hour, I was freaking out. So uh, that's <laughs> Is... <laughs> we won't we won't get into it. So maybe I'm a little I'm a little out of it right now because that yeah I just had a very stressful half an hour that turned out to be for naught. So yeah. Uh, anyway, how what are you doing this weekend, Esmeralda? Um,
4: nothing. I'm going to be <laughs> working. <laughs> I'm going to be uh, doing some dog sitting.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. You had to pick up some keys uh, from a service. No, from a dude. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be... Now, Is do you, do you enjoy the dog? Is this a dog that you enjoy?
4: Um, yeah. They're fine. They're a little...
1: it's um... more than one?
4: No, no, no. It's just one. Oh, okay. The, they're a little... Like hesitant of me, I guess. Okay. The dog is. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, you know, pandemic and, and all that kind of stuff, the dog isn't as socialized or whatever. And I think he's older, so it's he's a little hesitant, like when I've taken him on walks, he just uh, kind of looks at me like, mmm, like this kind of leery <laughs> he's leery of me. Yeah. <laughs> So, we'll see how What's the dog's name? with the dog? Uh Fixie.
1: What? <laughs> what? Fixie. F yeah, I X X Y? Uh yeah. no, F I X I E. F I X I E. Yes. Big big fan of the song One Thing Leads to Another? Is he? Uh, <laughs> is that, is it? I'm not going to understand that. I the Fix is one of my favorite 80s bands. So,
4: right, uh, I think it's more based off of there's a bike that you call a fixie, so I think it might be that. I'm oh, not sure. Oh, okay. No idea.
1: Okay. <laughs> or the dog when, when the dog is that is is it a it is a male dog? Yes. Did it have its balls clipped? Probably. Yeah. That's why it's called Fixie, because he's big. had his balls cut off, so he's been fixed. See, that's what mm-hmm. I like to think. That's what I like to think. That's why he's called <laughs> Fixie. I'll let him know. Let him know. Say hey. You called him because you got uh... you got no nuts. Is that why you're uh, you're called Fixie? I'm sure
4: the I'm sure the dog's gonna love me even more. He's gonna yeah. yeah I'm gonna yeah, bring that up.
0: Man, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 man, yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah, he'll love you for that. Absolutely. So anyway, all right. Well, so you're gonna be dog sitting.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Did you have to stay overnight and everything? Yeah. Wow, so you gonna how much stuff are you going to like steal?
4: Nothing. Why would I be stealing from the people who are giving me money? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's also in my neighborhood. Oh. That would be just too awkward. <laughs> <It's a> little <laughs> obvious. Do you know I
1: don't know why the couch is gone. I had Esmeralda staying with Fixie all weekend. The couch is gone. What the fuck? <laughs> Someone just came in and took it. I don't know. Goddamn, (laughs) Fixie's a useless guard dog. What the (laughs) fuck? Uh oh.
2: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
1: Hi, Carrie. Hi, I'm
2: Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
1: Yo, Carrie likes Fixie. She has a sign that says, I like Fixie. Oh, wow. That was quick. Well, she can hear through the door. She knows what's going on. Right. But still. (laughs) To have all the supplies and everything and just She's ready to go Oh, you have no idea Ready to go Always ready to go All right Hey, we're going to be talking about more of the the celebrity drama Mm -hmm. That we've been talking about Some of those weird celebrity stories And we're getting down to the nitty gritty I think we've only got a couple of more Japanese uh, snacks to taste test Yes Um, And then we'll move on to some of the weird Kit Kats Mm
4: -hmm. Uh,
1: And then we've got some more Mexican candy that we're going to be uh, oh, taste yes. testing as well. And uh speaking of Mexican candy, we're going to do Mexican candy taste testing for everybody in the audience at our gig on Tuesday.
4: Yes, it's going to be quite exciting. It's I can't wait to see the the reactions from people.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got like the what what is one of them uh, cuz you have the candy at your uh, in your yes. uh, in, in your house there. Um, and we're going to be taste testing Mexican candy with everybody in the in the audience. We want to pack the place. January seventeenth, this Tuesday, January seventeenth, Zanies in Rosemont. Um, you can get five dollar tickets. We have a promo code. You can get five dollar tickets. So if you if you don't have a lot of money, or you want to buy a bunch of tickets and bring a bunch of people, Rosemont.zanies.com for the Nick D podcast live. Uh, your promo code is FUNNY. Just type in FUNNY, F-U-N-N-Y, all caps, F-U-N-N-Y, all caps, uh, at rosemount.zannies.com. Oh. <laughs> was that me or you? or?
4: No, that was me. Oh, okay. Um, my phone doesn't go to silent anymore, but I put it on do not disturb, and clearly the phone doesn't care.
1: <laughs> ah okay why doesn't it go to silent anymore is that uh, i
4: don't know i hit oh, the no. button i mean the the phone's old so yeah that's probably it's what on it is. it's so you know it just doesn't it goes all the way up in the, but it doesn't register it as silent can you so oh that's okay so do you, not disturb is for okay. and it doesn't even all right. <laughs> it well we'll carless. see what happens
1: this will be fun to see how often you get uh you get buzzed during the uh, thing well no that okay. was
4: i think because that was an internal alert
1: Oh I, see. oh, I see. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so Zanies, uh, January seventeenth, Tuesday, January seventeenth, uh, in Rosemont, and get your tickets for five bucks. Promo code funny F U N N Y, all caps. Uh, rosemont.zanies.com, or you can call 847-813-0484. eight one three zero four eight four. Let's pack the place. We're going to be handing out some Mexican candy. We're going to be doing taste tests on. My dad is going to close the show, and I've heard his material, and it's killer. Um, nice and, and as you know, Esmeralda, the, the last time my dad went up on stage and told jokes, he, he stole the whole goddamn show.
4: Oh yeah, no he, <laughs> no reason for us to be there. Exactly.
1: So he'll close it the show again. Have been all your dad. We've got a whole bunch of really cool stuff to give away, including some swag. Uh, I picked up the um, the Nick D podcast coffee mugs, and they're cool as hell. I picked them up. Very nice. They're cool as hell. Uh, we've got Nick D podcast T shirts, and those are courtesy of the Basement Custom Shirts. My good friends Ron and Jackie were kind enough to go, yeah, we'll make a bunch of T-shirts for nothing, and we're giving those away. They're really cool. And you can check out MyBasement.biz for all of your T-shirts, uh, your, your, your vinyl T-shirt needs, your screen printing, your airbrushing. It's a tailor shop. And you can check out uh, MyBasement.biz. They're at 4723 South Ashland in Chicago, 773-247-5559. And uh, Ron and Jackie at uh, The Basement Custom Shirts at MyBasement.biz, They provided the shirts. And we've got uh, some apt uh, you know, electronics uh, gift cards to give away, trivia, Ooh. telling funny stories. It'll be great. And Dwayne Kennedy is our special guest, Emmy Award-winning legendary comedian. And I can't wait to just interview him, and he'll make us laugh. It's going to be a great, hilarious, interactive, fun evening that will all be recorded, so you should be a part of the live recording. And the Mexican candy, what are we going to be uh, – because you and I had some fun, uh, and I'm not – again, I'm not going to attempt – to pronounce Candyland the way it should be pronounced, you pronounce it, uh, where we went.
4: Dulcelandia.
1: That place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am so idiotically American. I am just such an idiotic American. Um, but yes, yeah, so we went there and it's a wonderful place full of candy. It is that. It is, in fact, Candyland, and it's amazing. And we picked up a whole bunch of really cool candy. We bought a bunch of candy for ourselves in bulk. Um, mm-hmm. And we got a whole bunch of Mexican candy that we're going to be handing out to the audience for some lovely Mexican candy taste tests. Uh, And one of them is like, can you handle the Mexican heat? Isn't that one of one of the things that? Right.
4: Well, because a lot of our candy, a lot of the Mexican candy, is essentially just sweet and spicy. Yes. So you know you gotta really pump that up. And have fun with that, so of course, there's going to be a bunch of candies <laughs> that are going to be crazy spicy and I, I think,
1: and, I, and as I mentioned to you before, I've tried a couple of things out of my bulk bag that I bought doubles of, right so that you know because I want to try it while we're on where we're recording on the podcast, but I also just mm-hmm. uh, you know out of curiosity and i i I had one of those things, and I'm telling you my brain almost blew up. it was so odd, well, like, <laughs> like my God, oh my God. But then I did. I guess
4: we'll find out how the ones that we brought for the audience will be.
1: We'll see how many audience members' heads explode. It'll be like, we'll have like 150 people in the room, and it'll be like watching a multiple version of of Scanners at one point. Boom! There you go. Heads will explode all over Zanies and Rosemont. Uh, But no, it's going to be fun. And and, and so that's all coming up. And again, uh, we're going to try and do this every month. I think we are going to do it every month um, at Zanies and Rosemont, and this one is Tuesday, Mm -hmm. January 17th. Uh, $5 tickets if you know the promo code FUNNY, all caps F-U-N-N-Y, com So that'll be fun. Um, so I do have a megaphone message, Esmeralda, as you know. Mm-hmm. This thing's out of control now, the magic megaphone. <laughs> it's just every... I love it. I check the emails, you know, and, uh, and I check the voicemails and stuff, and inevitably there's at least one or two that pop up uh, between the tapings. And again, if you want to leave... A voicemail of any kind. Our voicemail systems are open 24-7. We encourage you to call them at 773-417-6948. Or drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, with your instructions on what you want me to say into the Magic Megaphone. Okay, are you ready for the latest Magic Megaphone message? Mm-hmm. This is from uh, Nick. Oh, Nick. His name is Nick as well. Wow. He is from St. Joseph. And I uh, And, okay. again, he wanted me to... Say a megaphone message and have it transferred to the ether, and I'll just play it, and then we'll explain it. So, Esmeralda, are you ready? Okay. Yes. Here is this megaphone message for Nick. Eden and Noel, clean up your room. Eden and Noel, clean up your room. Eden and Noel, clean up your room. So, Eden and I Noel, think we can clean up your room. So, yeah, Eden and Noel? I think we can forget <laughs> I, I my guess is that Eden and Noel have a very sloppy room
4: yes <laughs> and is this is this a personal are we are we now telling um
1: yeah I'm telling someone else's else yeah, I'm assuming to his up.
4: children's what
1: yes to do. Here, here's what it says um uh he had a question for Tom Appel, which we answered uh, just this past uh for for the people episode last week. And in addition, he's like, also, if you can give my daughters a magic microphone or uh, megaphone message, Eden and Noel, clean up your room. Coming from someone famous like yourself, maybe they'll actually do it.
4: Oh. He's uh, okay.
1: (laughs) What do you think? well, what first you... <laughs> of all, what do I think? First of all, I think he's got the whole thing about the famous thing all wrong. I think that's that. First of all, he's going to the. Well, that's
4: what I was kind of like. Do you yeah. think they're going to listen to you?
1: I don't yeah, know. They don't know who the hell I am. Eden and Eden and Noel are not going to listen. They're not going to listen to their parents. They're not going to listen to some schmuck who hosts a podcast. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, but anyway, so that's what he wanted me to tell his daughters, Eden and Noel, uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to clean up uh, their room. So there. Uh... Eden and Noel, clean up your room. That's right. Eden and Noel, clean up your room. That's right. Oh, okay. So, anyway. So, if you want me to tell your kids to do something, that's fine. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we don't
4: know how well (laughs) it's going to go. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they'll listen, but... uh... Yeah,
1: and also, like me saying that, you should see my apartment. I don't think I'm the right person to...
4: Well, they don't know that. <laughs>
1: oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, and then he says, I am so glad that you're doing a podcast. I can't wait for your SNL podcast. I've been waiting since you announced it almost a year ago. Well. So Nick from St. Uh, Joseph is waiting for my podcast about SNL, which, by the way, you don't have to wait anymore. It's, uh, okay. it's up. It's up. <laughs> it's out. The first episode uh, dropped two days ago. And where can we find it? Radiomisfits.com, the same place you can find this fine uh, Well, how podcast. convenient. Isn't that convenient? Yes. It's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. It's a weekly podcast that will drop every Wednesday. Sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll talk about entire seasons and certain shows and best hosts and worst hosts and best you know, cast members and all that stuff. The very first episode is entirely dedicated to one sketch, and it's the potato chip sketch from 2009. Nice. Um, and so uh, I got some nice responses from it. It dropped a couple of days ago, and people are uh, people are enjoying it. So I'm very excited oh, about that's it. Good. Um good. And uh, it looks like on my next uh, podcast, the next podcast for that show hasn't been funny in years. Uh, John Rundinsky, who was a cast member on the show, is going to join me. Um, he was very on the 2005-2006 cool. season, maybe 2006-2007 season. He was only on one season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian. He will be uh, playing at Zanies. He'll be doing a show at Zaney's uh, next weekend. And so uh, he's going to join me to talk uh, SNL and his new gig. And he worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm um, uh, last season. He was fantastic nice. on that. And he was very good on the one season he was on on SNL. So he will be a guest at some point, probably next week, uh, on the uh, That Show Hasn't Been Funny uh, in Years podcast. So there you go. Anyway, so there it is. You, I'm sorry you had to wait because I did announce it last year. I did say, hey, I'm going to do two podcasts. And then I was like, maybe I should, you know, get comfortable and make the first podcast good. You know what I mean? <laughs> Before right. I jump into another but, one. But, you know, yeah.
4: But, you know, you, you got a lot to, you know, prepare for. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Sure.
1: But anyway, but it's available now. I'm trying to so. give you an out, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, Esmeralda. I appreciate it. So, anyway, if you're if you're into SNL, this is a, a, an SNL fans' dream podcast. If I do say so myself, uh, I literally have been watching SNL since the very first episode in October of 1975. I've seen every episode. Wow. So, 48 years of. SNL crap running around in my brain <laughs> will now be shared every Wednesday on uh, RadioMisfits.com and every place else that you get your podcast. So anyway. All right. Uh, all right. So we were talking about how back in the day when we were celebrating our 100th uh, episode of this podcast, Esmeralda, mm-hmm, we were reminiscing about how you and I first started working together back in the day at the car wash. And you were telling us about. We were talking about our relationships and how we first got to know the wonderful Jason Skaggs, who, by the way, did the opening and closing themes for my uh, SNL podcast, mm-hmm. and they're they're spectacular. He he really nice. made he really made them sound exactly like the opening and closing themes to SNL without ripping them off. <laughs> oh. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And so Skaggs used to work at uh, at the car wash with us over at WGN, and yes. uh once again, share the story about how you how you met him and how he would do stuff, uh, you know, sing things for you in the hallway, and how that turned into something on on the air.
4: Oh, so he, I just remember when I was working in the afternoons, you see a lot more of the people who were there during the day, the office yeah. people, yeah. and he is one of those. He was one of those people. He would work regular old nine to five, um, and I would see him in the hallways, and he would sing my name to me. Via what I believe is now an Elton John song. But from there, he then decided to make it a full thing. <laughs> yeah. And he sent it to the to afternoon producers. And then, yeah, so I had a bit of a theme song going.
1: That's right. When you were minute. on, you were on Rokan show for a while doing traffic mm-hmm. on the afternoon show. And Skaggs, as he is wont to do, just sort of made up a song for you and gave it to you, which he does yeah. all the time. yeah. Uh well we were trying to remember what it sounded like or whatever, and Dan, who is a subscriber and listener from Bartlett, Illinois, left this voicemail, Esmeralda, and I think you, you might be charmed by it. Are you ready? Mm. Mm-hmm. Here's Dan.
2: Hey, Nick. This is Dan from Bartlett. Been listening to you since the early two thousands. Uh congratulations on a hundred plus shows. Anyone could do a hundred shows. It takes real guts to uh keep going, I think. Anyway, a couple uh, episodes ago, Esmeralda was talking about meeting uh, Jason Skaggs, and um, uh, he, she she commented how he, he penned a, a song for her, a theme of sorts. I remember the theme. It was to the Elton John song Leave On, when something like Esmeralda freaking Leo. Esmeralda Leo. And I gotta tell you, it has been in my head ever since. It is just that catchy. Sorry Esmeralda, I don't know if that is great or creepy that I've been singing your name for years. Thanks to Skags. Anyway,
1: y'all have a great one. So that's that's Dan. That's song. how
4: I keep my name uh, relevant. Just put it in songs; they get stuck in your brain. Perfect. Yeah, uh, and, you'll th- and never, the, yeah, you'll never forget me.
1: No, and the theme song. <laughs> I mean, you have become Esma because of the theme song mm-hmm. on this podcast, uh, right? And- so, well, anyway, I just love how, how laid back. Dan sounds to me like he has a um, dispensary across the street from his house like I do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, and he remembers it all these years later. He still sings it. So I think that's something.
4: I'm I'd glad do. because, yeah, I wouldn't have. I couldn't remember. I yeah. just remember it was a song and that was it.
1: There you so, go. Well, now you know. Thanks. Thank you for, thank you for that, Dan from Bartlett. And again, if you guys want to leave any voicemail, you can, at 773-417-6948. If you want to sing Esmeralda's theme song, that's fine.
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: if you know more of it. <laughs> right, right. Right. So, oh, man. I love that he's like, I'm sorry if that's a little creepy. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Oh, man. All right. Well, so we were talking about um, some celebrity uh, uh, drama. And mm-hmm. uh, and and stuff. Now I don't know. Did you watch the uh, speaking of like sort of weird drama? Did you watch the um, Golden Globes at all, or did no, you? No, I an, didn't even an, any... know they were
4: on. <laughs> yeah, aren't they... they usually on a Sunday?
1: Yeah, usually they are. Most award shows are on Sunday. Okay. Um, and this was, you know, the Golden Globes were canceled last year because um, of the inner turmoil of the fact that they, I, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, are a racist organization. Yeah. Um and so. They came back on. uh, They were on Tuesday, which is unusual. A lot of people didn't know about it. I uh, DVR'd it. I didn't watch it live. I was actually watching a movie called Plane with uh, Gerard (laughs) Gerard Butler, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was fucking Mm -hmm. ridiculous, by the way. (laughs) Um, And I came home, and I fast-forwarded through a bunch of it and watched it. And I was curious because uh, Gerard um, Carmichael was the host, Mm -hmm. um, who is, I think, a great honest, really beautiful stand-up comedian um, who also happens to be black. And, and I thought it was interesting that he chose to host this return of the Golden Globes. And the Golden Globes for many years has been kind of a joke, you know, like, oh God, it's the Golden Globes, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it became more than a joke when they were accused of and, and, and actually guilty of absolute racism um, with not one black member in the organization. And mm-hmm. that and that reflected in the way they chose and voted things. And so, people boycotted. Uh, Tom Cruise returned his Golden Globes. He said that he wouldn't, you know, uh, and true to his true to his word, actually, he didn't show up, even though you know, Top Gun was n- nominated for multiple awards. Uh, and Tom Cruise is kind of the only guy that did that. He's kind of the only guy that returned his awards. You know, weirdo, weird ass Tom Cruise.
4: <laughs> I didn't know that he got
1: any. Yeah, he got one. You know, he got him. For, he got one for Magnolia, uh, actually, supporting uh, an actor for Magnolia. Oh, interesting. Um, but he, got, but he got one. You know, because in Golden Globes they split between drama and comedy slash musical. And you know, like uh, I think he won for Jerry Maguire because it's a comedy, so that means like, you know you have okay. a better. Oh, ch- I a, see. Yeah. You have a better chance if you're not going to win. Like Michelle Yeoh won this year for Best Actress in a Comedy. For everything, everywhere, mm-hmm. all at once, and Kate Clay- Blanchett won for drama. But when the Oscars come up, Blanchett's going to win. You know what I mean? So because they split them up, there's a better chance that people like Tom Cruise will win awards. You know what I'm saying? I see. So which
4: I don't, I don't like that.
1: <laughs> I don't. Well, no, I don't like it either. It's one of the many things about the Golden Globes that I find stupid. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so but then like so so Gerard at the beginning of the thing, did his monologue was about addressing flatly why he did it. Why would a black man do this? And he explained the whole thing. And it's a pretty, it was a pretty brilliant monologue that went right to it where he was basically exposing all of this stuff, exposed how much he made. Like he, he, he told everybody he made $500,000 for that kid for that night. And he told everybody, he told everybody what he made. He told everybody why he did it and exposed the hypocrisy within the, uh, the Golden Globes, and a lot of people in that room were very quiet during what I thought was a pretty ballsy, um, you know, monologue. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, thought it was, I thought it was great. I didn't think it was, you know, he could have gone even further. He didn't, which was fine, because he still had to host the thing for another two and a half, three hours. But the joke that he told, <laughs> speaking of drama, the joke that he told where he, he walked out on stage and he had three Golden Globe Awards in his hand. Um, and he said that these are the awards that Tom Cruise returned. And Tom Cruise, who wasn't there, by the way, as I said. Mm-hmm. And he said... Um, oh, yeah. Have you, mm-hmm. you heard about this?
4: I heard about it, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> the joke was that he wanted to exchange these awards to uh, to fund a search party to find out what happened to a woman who was once married to one of the leaders of Scientology, and she's been missing since 2007. So he makes this... Really ballsy, very unbelievable Scientology joke about Tom Cruise uh right before the two guys from Top Gun come out to present a award,
4: <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was i I just knew he made the joke and everything, and people were like, bleh, no. Bleh. no no um, and then
1: and then he introduced uh Glenn Howell and the other guy from Top Gun. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Interesting. And you got to understand. I mean, obviously, that's inside. It's an inside joke. A lot of the the normal schmoes at home had no idea who this woman was. And but in that room, everybody knew how how much of a bite and how much teeth that joke had in that room. And I just was lost my shit. I was like, "Oh my god!" And he's like, "And now here are (laughs) the guys from." And he introduced guys from Top Gun. I was like, "Holy shit!" And that caused a significant amount. Speaking of celebrity drama. That caused a significant amount of drama, obviously, on people. You know, Twitter was blowing up and all kinds of stuff. And everybody has their opinion about how Carmichael did. And I thought he did okay at best. But I Mm -hmm. liked what he attempted to do with his monologue. And I thought that joke was the best of the night. Um, And yeah. So, (laughs) and the weird thing is, like, he rips, you know, like he rips apart Scientology and goes after it, makes this weird joke about this woman who's disappeared. Nobody knows what's going on. But this, the the thing is like he makes this joke at the expense of Tom Cruise who by the way stood his ground did not show up at the awards boycotted the awards and did give his awards back so it was kind of a weird double-edged thing you know what i mean like the yeah, one but guy just because who because
4: he did just because he did the one good thing
1: yeah <laughs> but i mean but the thing is like the the one good thing that his entire monologue was about you know what i mean like 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 mm. you know what i mean like like Carmichael's whole monologue was about this and that's why Tom Cruise didn't show up and that's why he didn't you know he he refused he he brought he he gave his awards back but then like it didn't stop Gerard Gerard from making this brutal Scientology joke at the expense of Tom Cruise and I thought it was hilarious (laughs) yeah well
4: don't do weird shady things yeah
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it wasn't really I mean the joke isn't not to imply that Tom Cruise is you know Responsible for the disappearance of this woman, but certainly the res- well, the, re- the religion the religion knows? the religion that he follows is He's is pretty
4: a- high up yeah, there. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so I follow Leah Remini uh, mm-hmm. on the socials because I love her and her story about getting out of Scientology is a fascinating one. Have you seen the the, the doc about that?
4: I haven't seen it just because it's it, it's just a lot. That stuff it is. is just so ridiculous. It is.
1: it is. It is, and I, you know, and I try to put that away because I, I happen to really love Tom Cruise, and I happen to, you know, one of my favorite actresses on this planet is Elizabeth Moss, and she's a Scientologist, and so I try to put that yeah. shit out of my mind and and like judge their work upon their work and not by this absurd quote unquote religion that they follow. Um, but Leah Remini went nuts. Uh, over this joke and posted the clip of the joke over and over again mm-hmm. <laughs> and said, this is the greatest thing. Ever. This is the greatest joke in the history of, you know, uh, award shows. And I, I literally watched it on my couch. It was like one o'clock in the morning because it was very late and I was just watching it. And when he, yeah. when he did that joke, I went, oh my God. And when he told the joke in like the room, you could hear people in the room go, oh, you know, like a whole bunch of Hollywood people, <laughs> some of which were probably Scientologists, were like, what the fuck did he just say? And then he says, and now here from Top Gun, I was like, oh, my God. So pretty cool. But uh, that caused some drama on the uh, on the socials, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> so back to this article about uh, celebrity dramas, that being some of the latest. Anything else in this uh in this piece that details some of these celebrity dramas uh stand out to you as being either amusing or weird or funky
4: um I would have to say the um wait a minute which one was the one that I was looking at um uh, well, I didn't know these at all with um I know you're not a big marvel person, but the Robert Downey Jr. stuff. I didn't know that at all.
1: Yeah, explain. That the to... Marvel
4: CEO tried to get Robert Downey Jr. fired. Um, I guess they had a feud that uh, he essentially tried to get him fired because of because of the money that he wanted for the. Uh, for the Marvel movies that he was in, yeah. which I'm like, he deserves it. He's he... kind of a big deal in these movies.
1: No, he's the biggest deal in these movies. Uh, you know, um, without the success of Iron Man, the, the Marvel universe would not exist. That's yeah. all there is to it. I mean, you can trace so it back. Give him his money. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, for for a guy like Robert Downey Jr., for all the shit that he went through um, and all the issues that he's had with addiction, and fighting Mm -hmm. through it, and he fucking made it through uh, to the other end, and God bless him, you know what I mean? Like, he's one of my favorite recovery stories ever. And for him, at that point in his career, to start making fucking ducats, you know what I mean, making these movies, good for him. Pay him, man. Pay him. Exactly. So, um, you know, it's interesting. And I'm not a big fan of the Marvel movies. I mean, you know, people like I, I I can't even waste my time on trying to figure out what universe anybody's in or any of that bullshit. (laughs) I have very little patience for them. But listen, man, you trace it back to Iron Man. You trace it back to, to, you know, Robert Downey Jr., who at that time, nobody wanted him hired. John Favreau. John Favreau had to fight for him. Nobody wanted him. Marvel didn't want him. None of the studios wanted him. You know, he was such a fuck-up for such a long time.
4: Yeah. So that's what I imagine, too, is probably... Why they didn't want to pay him? Because they're like, why are we going to give money to this dude?
1: Right. Yeah, but then once the you know this but but this uh, complaint came after the box office. You know, like at first when before before Iron Man came in, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Favreau, the director John Favreau, who by mm-hmm. the way I've I've acted with, I've improvised with John Favreau.
4: Oh, look at you! Yeah,
1: is that amazing? He's from here, from so Chicago. your
4: best friend, my best friend John
1: uh, John Favreau, um, your best friend
4: John Favreau. I, yeah, I mean uh-huh. I've
1: I, I have, I've shared a stage with Favreau. I'm not lying about that. Um, but he's obviously become like this huge, uh, huge mega uh, voice in Hollywood, especially when it comes to. Uh, Star Wars and Marvel like I mean he's a huge he's hugely responsible for the success of those things you know I mean he's responsible for the Mandalorian and all these big things that have happened in the Star Wars universe and the Marvel universe wouldn't exist if John Favreau didn't insist on casting uh, Robert Downey
0: Downey. Mm -hmm.
1: and he I think if I'm not mistaken he took a pay cut like Favreau's like no you know don't pay me as much as you're gonna pay me because I want I want this guy and it was a risk because he was a risky dude at that time in two thousand six, two thousand something around that time when they hired him. Um, you know, he was only a few years out of you know sleeping in a kid's bedroom, not knowing his own. You know what I mean? Like crashing in someone's bedroom while he was drunk and all that stuff. He was only a few years removed from that. Yeah, um,
4: which in those you know, for that a lot of people can't even understand to then give him a chance yet. Exactly. And nobody wanted it's, to, except... It's still not enough time,
1: I but guess. This, this, for some know, This conflict that you're talking about actually happened after the money already started coming in. So it's like, you're going to fucking deny this guy? I mean, I can understand you being hesitant before the box office comes in. Mm-hmm. But when the money came in for Iron Man and kept coming in for the next Iron Man and kept coming in for the Marvel movies and then you talk shit again about not paying this guy? Get out of here. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. There's also it seems that these two executives, uh Kevin Kevin Feige and Ike Perlmutter, they both were having we having their own disagreements apparently. Yeah. Um the Kevin guy was threatening to quit uh, over disagreements they had around uh the time that they were doing Captain America Civil War. Yep. Um just arguing about like the the budget and all this kind of stuff and so it's interesting that then they just wrangle in Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> it's like just leave him out of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah, I mean and, and but he was kind of the savior of the whole thing and at that time when when you know those movies first started there wasn't a Marvel Studios. Now there's an entire studio. Mm-hmm. The studio, I mean it's it's it, it's like 20th Century Fox, it's Mar- Metro, you know, it's like MGM. It's like Universal, it's an actual movie studio. And that didn't exist before those Iron Man movies became popular. It spawned an entire movie studio. So to deny this guy or to argue about the fact that you should pay Robert Downey is absurd. Yeah, they
4: should be giving him more money. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, More um, money. Give all, him all am- the money. Dude, Esmeralda, the <laughs> amount of money that he made on those movies is oh, unbelievable, man. the amount of money that he made on those movies. And good. Good for him, man. If they're going to pay him that kind of money, good. Take it, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. I got to say, though, you know, my, my what were you, you were just going to say something? No, I was going to say
4: that one of the other dramas, which I don't, I, I guess it's a drama, uh, but on this list is, is what we just talked about, John Favreau. And his career with uh, Marvel.
1: Yeah. Why? It's also
4: apparently a <laughs> drama.
1: How, how is it a drama? This guy... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> how is it... Like, you go back and go, you had nothing before Iron Man. Every single attempt for a Marvel comic book movie had been uh, either a disaster or underperformed. Favreau comes along, makes Iron Man, casts Robert Downey Jr., and everything changes. How do you not just go give what this guy whatever he wants? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't
4: understand this. Maybe you. Well, I think they're talking about Chef.
1: Chef was of, but a, a, it says a, yeah his, the movie that a, a low budget movie that he directed and was in Favreau.
4: Yeah, it says the film reflects John Favreau's career with Marvel. Oh, I see. It's an I allegory. see what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah. Okay, there's yeah. the drama. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's an, al- it's That's an allegory the for allegory drama. Right. It's an allegory for working with
4: Marvel. Mm,
1: um, it's a very personal okay. movie in that regard. And also because Favreau mm. loves to cook. Uh, right. Have you ever seen Chef? Because it's a really good film. If you've, if you've never seen it, it's good.
4: Uh, yeah. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I found it just funny that he decided it it, it felt a little appropriation y to me. <laughs> Oh, well, with sure. With his food truck and his, yeah. And his restaurant. And yeah. yeah. I thought that was a little, I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's going to be the case in almost everything. <laughs> Appropriation seems to be a thing that we see a lot of in movies, which is really, yeah. you know, I don't know. Uh, well, anyway, how about this one here? Now, as you know, uh, Esmeralda, I was, uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I was a Gleek way after the expiration date. Oof you know.
4: Yeah. I jumped. I jumped ship. No, probably sooner than you did. Much. Oh, sooner. I think. I think everybody <laughs> on Earth Much jumped sooner. shipped
1: before I did. Uh, I watched it until the very end. I love Glee. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, but this story doesn't surprise me at all. You. You know which one I'm going to talk about, right? Leah Michelle. Oh yes. This doesn't surprise me at all. Lea Michele is apparently as much of a diva as her character on Glee. Uh, this was said about her by many co-stars, including uh, Samantha Ware, Heather Morris, Yvette Nicole Brown, Abigail Breslin, uh, Michelle Benoit. Um, and those are just a few of the names that you'd recognize where people bitch about what a diva she is. Um, yeah. And i, I, don't, could, I doesn't I can, surprise I can,
4: me. I can understand it. <laughs> yeah. I've, heard, I've never met the woman but
1: yeah. I've heard nightmare stories I've read a lot of nightmare stories about it and you know when you see her on talk shows and if you've ever followed her for some reason you know there's a lot of tabloid stuff that you follow with her and it mm-hmm. you know if, whether you believe it or not I I, I don't see that being a stretch <laughs> she's a pain in the ass and a diva
4: yeah that's way too many people for in my opinion to yes. be like a conspiracy <laughs> yeah, of yeah, some yeah. sort Exactly. Or... Right. <laughs> yeah
1: um, and and but and, and and okay, you know what I mean. I I don't condone acting like a diva. I don't condone being a dip or an asshole. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, I I do I do love her. Um, you know, uh, I I love her. She came. She took over for Beanie Feldstein in Hello Dolly, and apparently killed it. Yeah, um, I heard that was really good. Yeah, and uh, she is a, a wonderful. Musical theater woman. You know what I mean? And I and mm-hmm. I have had personal encounters and relationships with musical musical theater women in the past. <laughs> so uh yeah, but uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Leah Michelle being a diva, not a shocker, right?
4: Right. No, I completely <laughs> maybe that's why that role yeah. was so good for her on Glee. Yeah.
1: Well, she was perfectly cast, I gotta say.
4: Yeah, perfectly exactly.
1: God, I love that show. Did you, now when it first came on, were you on board like when Glee first came on? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I was completely into it. And then it just started, I don't know, it just didn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like they kept yeah. just trying to do any kind of like, oh, and no, this happened. And then this happened. It got a little too uh, soap opera y. Like, very fantastical things. People yeah. getting hit by cars and people this and I, that. I, it, it was just a bit
1: much. I don't know what it is. I think I have a weakness for just musical stuff. Like, when they when they Maybe. do music. yeah. Because, like, I love uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love that mm-hmm. show. And that's got a lot of musical. Element. And you know how I feel about uh, Zoe's uh, Extraordinary Playlist. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kat you love that stuff. One of the greatest shows in the history of television. And I don't know what it is. I, I guess... In my heart, I am a musical theater geek, I guess. <laughs> and, and, it, and it kind of shows in what I love to watch on television. I was with Glee the whole time. And they did certain musical numbers that I just, I mean, everybody talks about Don't Stop Believing," which, you mm-hmm. know, that was like the big one at the time. But for me, they did a mashup of Umbrella by Rihanna and mm-hmm. Singing Singin in the Rain. Still one of my favorite things I've ever seen on commercial television ever was that mashup of Singing in the Rain and Umbrella. Oh my god! <laughs> but I'm a dork, man. I'm a total unapologetic geek, unapologetic. But yeah. Uh, all right. Any more drama that you wanted to uh, mention here, besides uh, Leah Michelle being a diva, which I guess we can all—that's not news, <laughs> right?
4: It's like yeah, and yeah. <laughs> exactly, and. <yeah. laughs> um, I kind of like this Peter Frampton, uh, Peter Frampton drama.
1: Okay, let's hear about Peter Frampton. <laughs> Only drama. because.
4: It reminds me of that Simpsons when he does the hullabalooza. Yeah. So Peter Peter Frampton stormed off during a concert when a cameraman ruined his solo. He was in Minnesota, and um, he took great offense. When the overhead screen showed a woman in the crowd holding up his album, Frampton comes alive while he was playing. So he wanted the camera on him at all
1: times. I didn't see this. So, I didn't, I've not scrolled down and seen this one. Are you kidding me? Frampton actually did yes.
4: that? <laughs> so when the screen showed that, he cursed into the camera, he accosted the operator, and then walked off mid-performance.
1: got to be kidding me. <laughs> now, wait, okay, clearly this was recently because there were no video cameras, you know, in concert when Frampton was big. Because Frampton, right. you know, Frampton comes to no, life from ni- 1976. So, you know. So this is when Frampton was doing, like, smaller houses and not, like, filling up arenas in, in the 70s.
4: Well, this might have been... Um, I'm assuming this was, like, maybe an outdoor concert of some sort. Yeah. Or, like, a festival thing. Um, just because like, why would there be cameramen? You know what I mean? Usually they have cameramen for those kinds of things.
1: Yeah. Um, For big shows. Yeah. And it might've been like a, like a, like a a festival of some kind. Yeah. 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 Well, that's ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous. Frampton, uh, uh, doing that. That's, that's, but it
4: reminds me, it reminds me of when he was on Hullabalooza (laughs) on the Simpsons,
1: Yeah. right? It was Hullabalooza. No, um, I can't remember what it was it Hullabalooza. I mean that episode Maybe. is, is Homer Palooza is what is what the episode is called. The episode right. is titled Homer Palooza, but I don't remember. By the what. way,
4: um, he was opening for the Steve Miller Band at the <laughs> Treasure Island Resort and Casino.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's so, hilarious. Yeah. That's absolutely hilarious. Frampton storms on stage. This was oh, 2017. My. Of course it was. It was 2017. Steve Miller band and Frampton. Oh, God. And everybody in the audience was my age or older. Come on, dude. Get the fuck out of here.
4: Yeah. And people oh. had posted about it. So someone said, so this just happened. Peter Frampton was doing a 20-minute solo. Of course he was. And, they, yeah. see, and it was 20 minutes. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. the cameraman and the crowd with the fan showing an album cover he mentioned it and then the camera and then a cameraman showed another fan with another album cover <laughs> he went over to the cameraman and tried to yank the camera out of his hands he then walked off stage he came back with the screens off and finished the show what a
1: dick <laughs> what a dick But by the way, Esmeralda, you were like 20 minutes. That's not surprising. If you ever listen to Frampton, if you ever listen to Frampton comes alive, there's a there's like there's a cut on Frampton comes alive called Do You Feel Like We Do? It's 18 Mm. minutes long. No. And he like speaks into a voice box. So it sounds like his guitar is talking. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 And it's 18 minutes long. And what we used to do in the 70s was we'd blow a half a lit of weed and go, man, put on Frampton and let's get fucked up. And that, and like the longer the guitar solo, the longer the song in the 70s, the longer the drum solo, the cooler it was, and the more weed and acid you could take. Mm. That doesn't fly in
2: 2017.
1: Wow. So
4: in the so why I'm reminded it's uh, it was Hullabalooza by the way. Okay, the Simpsons All right. episode, uh, Okay, that's the that's the 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 festival.
1: Right, and the um, the episode so, is called Homer Palooza. That's the episode. Yes. Title. Yeah.
4: So Frampton is performing right on on Hullabalooza. He gets annoyed because Homer breaks his inflatable pig cannon. <laughs> right. Cypress Hill <laughs> stole. Um, had stolen the London Symphony Orchestra from him, right. and then Sonic Youth <laughs> stole some food from his cooler. So all of the, so to hear him like in right. real life be mad at this cameraman like just so, makes complete sense. So, so, t-
1: yeah, so the so the Simpsons were very prescient in their in their portrayal. Yeah, of uh, Frampton. Correct. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we got more celebrity drama somewhere in there, but let's taste some uh, crazy Japanese snacks. So yes. Uh, what do we got here? What do we? What do we? What do you? What do you want to do first? Do you want to do the? Uh... Um, let's do the little the little crackers. The little crackers, and they they look like pods.
4: <laughs> yeah, they look like little bananas.
1: Little banana, little brown. You bananas. said they
4: look like seeds, which I.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. They and
4: they they're like sesame crackers. I'm sesame gonna go crackers, Japanese I sesame think. crackers. I'm I'm only guessing. Okay, so we'll right. see.
1: Let's see. Here we go. The sesame crackers. Let wait. Let's see here.
4: Yeah. Yep, yeah,
1: that's exactly what they are. They're sesame crackers.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get these in the, like with wasabi peas. Yeah, that's exactly what. Yeah, they're good. We got them in that mix. they mm. mm, they're good. Mm, nom, nom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love sesame seed. I know you do. Sesame oil. Mm hmm. Um,. Too. Ooh, you can put that on anything. It makes everything taste better. <sighs> now, these these next ones, I have no clue.
1: Um, did you do the translation? I did not do the translation, but it's cuppy ramun is what they're called. And there's a very happy squirrel and a very happy rabbit. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Okay.
4: I found it. Okay. Cuppy ramun is a very popular uh, food... Uh, in Japan. Okay. So it is a soft candy. It's generally for children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a cute rabbit and a squirrel printed on the package, which is, is a now. trademark of cuppy Ramune in Japan.
1: All right. Well, here we go.
4: So this is little- one of those um, dagashi things, which dagashi means like penny candy, like right. cheap candy right. snacks. And they look like so little. That's why it's for
1: children. Little, little Smarties, little thicker versions of Smarties.
4: Okay. All right. Well,
1: they're sweet. How is it?
4: They're sweet. I'm trying to open it without ruining the front because I want to take a picture of it. Oh, okay. It's gonna be it hard. It's too to... dark in my.
1: I should have they're, brought scissors. They're they're kind of it's it's a little um, it's they're, they're they're kind of tasty. They're sweet. They have a little punch to them, but they're a little cho- mm. it's a little chalky. It's a little oh. chalky.
4: Well, that's what you get for cheap candy. That's right. Oh, so no. A
1: little chalky. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm. Not a I fan? do like
4: that they're a little tart.
1: But they're very chalky. Yeah, I don't know water. if
4: I like this chalky. It reminds me of, um, what are the ones that come in the tube that, that are like co- this?
1: The Smarties.
4: Yeah. 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 yeah, Yeah. they're like Smarties. I hate Smarties. Okay.
1: All right. Well, that's a negative on on, on her end. The sesame, <laughs> the like, sesame, the little sesame mm-hmm. bananas are good.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. So, all right. I will say I like the flavor.
1: Yeah. No, it's tasty. Of these cuppy remune. It's just a little chalky. That's all the, the texture.
4: Yeah. So because all right with Smarties, they're just sweet. But this yeah. has a nice tart. Yeah. All right.
1: All right, we have a, just a couple of more Japanese things we're going to taste test and we'll jump into the Mexican stuff and you can taste test all that stuff with us on January 17th at Zanies in Rosebud. Mm-hmm. So cool on Tuesday, January 17th. All right. Which, well, by listen, the way, yes, real quick. Yes, Instagram, um, right? You have an we have an Instagram page now. Oh
4: yeah, but also no, I was just going to mention that Salma Hayek at the Golden Globes, uh they had given her one of the candies that we will be trying uh on Tuesday. Mazapan. Oh, no kidding.
1: Which is just marzipan, but right. So we'll be trying the Mexican marzipan that she likes it too. Salma Hayek. So. Hayek had. By the way, we don't have to, we're out of time, but we do now have an Instagram page that you are running. Yes, the world, right. So people Nick can D go to Nick Podcast. Nick D Podcast at Instagram. <laughs> Nick D Podcast at Instagram. on
4: Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Join
1: us on Instagram at the Nick D Podcast. Jim Ryan mm-hmm. is going to talk to us about music. Oh, uh, on the next episode. What kind of music? Well, I will tell you this: we will probably do we will probably do a tribute to Jeff Beck, uh, who just nice. passed away. So, uh, and he just saw him like a month and a half ago. Oh, wow. He, he and Johnny Depp played a gig together at the Chicago Theater. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp, they toured. Huh. And, uh, and he just, pil- right. he, he finished that tour and he got meningitis and he died. Jeff Beck. just Yikes. died so Jim Ryan and I will talk music uh, that'll be coming up on the next episode and uh, we want you to be a part of the episode so uh, hey 773-417-6948 for a voicemail email us nickdpodcast at gmail.com thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits thanks to Jason Skaggs and thanks to you Esmeralda you rule oh thank you alright and we will talk to you next time on the Nick D Podcast on Radio Misfits Podcast Network
2: the wind is right on the-